0: Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Lorraine Connell with us. And we met on LinkedIn. Uh, Lorraine is a former chemistry teacher, and now she has her own business called Peers Not Fears. And it's all about developing leadership skills with students. And I love this. She also has a podcast. Her podcast is called Education Unimagined. And it's interviewing students and sharing their voices. So this is such a great collaboration to have Lorraine on today because I'm all about teacher advocacy and sharing teacher voices, but I think coming back to the student and how they can share their ideas about education and what needs to change um, in the system is great. So thank you, Lorraine, for being on our show.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you, Jackie.
0: So my first question for you is what originally got you into education? Was there a moment, a conversation or something that inspired you to become a teacher?
1: Yeah, so I um, am a child of the 90s. And in the 90s, it was, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, and I wanted to save the world. And so I went into environmental science and quickly realized that I couldn't get paid to do what I wanted to do. And so the jobs I got were sort of on the opposite end of saving the world. And I got really frustrated pretty early in my career as an environmental scientist. Um, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And so I did some soul searching and my mom was a teacher and I was like, okay, maybe I'll be a teacher. But I didn't really, I didn't really know how to become a teacher, but it was two educators in my experience. Uh, My high school chemistry teacher and my college professor, I took chemistry my sophomore year. That really made me love chemistry, which is a weird thing to say because not a lot of people love the subject of chemistry. But more than the subject, they just had a passion for chemistry. And it really, in hindsight, now that I know where I am, I, you know, it was their teaching and their love for education that really drew me to teaching and teaching chemistry.
0: I love that. It's so interesting. Um, Later on in the season, I'm going to have on a um, teacher who is bringing chemistry to the elementary level. And she creates like graphic novels and makes it into like a story of like detective work. And this whole idea of, you can take something complex and obviously part of our background as teachers is to know how to scaffold right mm-hmm. and bring it down to the level of before i think she works with fourth graders um and make it into a story and if you start training their brain to understand chemistry or something complex when their like brain is a sponge they're Ooh. just going to pick it up like super fast when they get to high school where then they can learn it in more of a higher level complex way. Because for me, (laughs) chemistry was my hardest class in high school. I struggled. I was one of those students that had to get straight A's. I was such a like kiss up to my teachers. I was like a complete (laughs) nerd. And I put myself through a lot of like pressure and had a lot of anxiety in school to, and just for me, my parents did not do this. Like they were working all the time. It was just me. And I get to chemistry and it was that class that it was like, I'm going to be a C student like all year. I'm going to struggle to be a C student. And it was because my teacher really wasn't there for me. And I had wonderful teachers in other areas. And I had other science teachers that were wonderful. It's just this, I think it was a teacher kind of like on his way out, you know, not saying everyone's like that, but you're right. It's not just the subject. It is the person, how they connect to students, how they really listen to what they need, not only in the subject, but just like as a person and as a student. And so like, I felt like this teacher didn't really want to help me. And so I was like, teaching myself and it was really, really hard. Like I, I could not, I mean, I, I can't believe I got a C in that class and I like beat myself up over it, but it is about the, the teacher. And I always yeah. say, I went into this, I'm sure like you saw that early on because I love history. I love psychology. That's like my area, but I want to be a mentor to students. Right.
1: Yeah, there was so much that you shared in that, that little segment, like number one, I would have parent teacher conferences, or not even parent, just open house. And I would, you know, I would see the fear in those parents faces. And I, what I said to the parents was, I, I am here teaching chemistry to your children so that when they're in their parent open houses, they don't feel this anxiety this fear and the other thing that you shared is that it chemistry happens in a student's life right about the point when they have to learn how to learn and like so many students are really good at playing the system until they hit sophomore junior year when things get really hard and chemistry is one of those classes that you know, I often f- feel like chemistry is one of those weeding courses mm. where we we determine who the, ha- the haves in education or the system of school really are and who are not. You mm. know, I think kids who go into college for medical, chemistry is one of those classes that they plunk a ton of kids in and if you can't do the work then you're out and your your tra- trajectory your career of medicine has been stopped because you don't have the ability to do chemistry and for me that really that really struck me as an unfair advantage or an unfair situation so there's a lot of why I taught chemistry that goes into really leveling the playing field and really got me to where I am today in developing student voice and student leadership.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you have to want to be there for children, for teenagers, not just like, I love chemistry, I'm really good at it. And this is going to be a job. Because if I'm sorry, if teachers are going into the field with that mindset in any subject area, you have to be you have to be someone who wants to mentor kids first
1: well, and and if we think of college professors, often they don't have any experience in teaching, and it is just subject specific. And those are the those are the moments where kids really need guidance and connection. And mm-hmm. we're we're not just not providing that. And there's a reason. I mean, I know that there's always a reason for things, but I think, so often we're losing potentially great students because we don't have the right kind of teacher helping them through really hard subjects.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Is there a, um, a story or a time you'd like to talk about with like your early first year's
1: teaching? Oh my gosh. This is a funny story. <laughs> so I, you know, as I said to you, I knew I didn't want to be in environmental science anymore. And I was like, okay, in Massachusetts at the time, this was 20 years ago and, and probably still pretty prevalent, um, probably still a pretty likely situation. There wasn't a whole lot of math and science teachers. And so they had made accommodations that, you know, you don't need an education degree to come in and teach math or science. And so I got a job in Massachusetts at a vocational technical school. And I loved that experience. But the story you're asking me about was my first moments in teaching. Um, I was lit up. I was so happy to be in the classroom. I didn't know this was my place to be until I was there. And so that first moment of this is kids coming in, we're doing, you know, the meet and greet kind of first days of school. I I did amazing. I really loved what I was doing. And then as soon as those kids left the classroom, I literally burst into tears because it was something so far out of my comfort zone, I really didn't know if I was doing the right thing. And I was, I had put something, I'm an introvert. And so when I put myself into that extroverted situation, I was pushing myself out of my boundaries. And then as soon as they left, I was like, what did I just do? And it was, it was a really, like, I love thinking back at that because it's really funny. And it's really, I feel very confident in telling others that it is really where you grow (laughs) when you feel that challenge. And and sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want it to, or you don't think it should. and but you start to see yourself differently. And that is who I became. You know, I became this person who was a little more extroverted than I thought I was. and, um, and at this school, working with students who were pursuing a vocation changed my entire view of what that kind of student was. These were really determined kids. They were dedicated. They were actually really smart because the girls who needed to get into cosmetology, Mm -hmm. they had to be at the top of their class because it was such a demand to get into that program. They had to be the best of the best. And I... It totally shifted everything that I thought about. And if I could go back in my journey, I wish I could have stayed in a Votek atmosphere as an educator, because I think there was a lot that I learned from those students and a lot that, you know, I could share with them as well.
0: I love that you shared this story about teaching in a Votek school. I have talked about this often in the last season where I think there needs to be more of those programs in every school. And yeah, I, I've never taught in a VOTech school. We had it at the high school I went to, um, but I kind of wish now I had that experience too, because you're right, they're so determined because they know what they wanna do. They know they wanna hone a skill that they're super passionate about, and they're already going to leave high school like prepared for the workforce, prepared to be a young adult, truly.
1: Yeah, and some of them leave with certifications. Some of them leave with um, apprenticeships already started. They're so far ahead of the curve for kids graduating high school. And and I do still think there's a terrible stigma about the kid who goes to a VOTAC school That I would encourage anybody to like interview or connect with a kid, connect with that program, explore a little bit more because that perception, that stereotype, as often stereotypes are, is not what you think it is.
0: Yeah, there is a stigma and maybe it changes um, because college is just so expensive. (laughs) Mm. It's like, I mean, it's got to, it's got to change at some point because it is ridiculous. The inflation of tuition costs, um, that there has to be this promotion of other ways to enter the workforce. And it's not just all about academia and writing essays, taking history tests, you know, or even just like studying the sciences, um, is not the only way to enter the workforce. And also a lot of those technical fields in like a VOTech school, you're applying a lot of those skills you're learning in those core subjects. People don't think about that. I'm like, you are. Think about a lot of those fields are very science-based.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, those kids are, I mean, I, I admire students who have applied and taken a chance on learning a skill because even if you don't use it, even if you don't graduate high school and become a plumber, you now have those skills that you can use for life. And mm-hmm. that is something that's something that I, as an adult, so much wish I had had that opportunity. Yeah, me
0: too. And to think about the um kind of mercurial situation of Our economy Mm. right like you think about a recession you know going through a time period it could be you know who god forbid i hope it doesn't happen to have a great depression but you just never know you have a skill that is always needed and once you learn it like even like you said you go into something else you i'm sure use it in your own life so that you can then use that for your business like if you're like well you know i just got laid off from this big company but I have this skill that I learned in VOTech and I have this certificate. I'm trained. I have a route to a job, you know, that's yeah. could be a very good paying job. A lot of those jobs do pay very well. And if you're part of like a trade union, awesome benefits. My mm-hmm. father-in-law was an electrician, made really good money, uh, great pension, uh, worked his butt off. I mean, worked yeah. a lot, but- it was just like security, you know, and even security into retirement. So yeah, I think we definitely need to promote those programs.
1: Yeah. Well, and also like, even if you don't do it, you, or you don't like it, you have just realized it's something that you didn't want to do. And that is always a skill worth knowing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Were you teaching during the pandemic time or? I sure was. So my next part goes into that of um, anything you want to share about teaching during the pandemic. Um, Any, it could be challenges. It could be aha moments, things that you take away from it. Maybe this is what led you to transition out of the classroom. So anything you want to share?
1: Yeah. So I think I was transitioning out of education the traditional classroom probably before covid but during covid that march to um june i was struggling personally my own children were struggling and my students were struggling and so i started to i started to ask students like what is working what isn't working what would you change if you could change it And their ideas, their advice, all of those things were really, really on point. And so that's what started the the podcast, Education Unimagined. I was like, we need to be asking students more about their experience. We need to be soliciting their advice in how we do education And so I started recording them and editing them and out came my first season of Education Unimagined. And I will tell you that I learned so much from those student conversations. I put those um, experiences and advice right into practice and I saw a difference in my own experience. I became a better educator. And I couldn't believe that I had spent so many years not asking students for their input. Um, I think, you know, I would do the feedback, the typical feedback, Mm -hmm. but I was not engaging with students the way I was in this, in this podcast adventure. And so for me, I started to realize that students were not given these opportunities to talk, which also meant that they probably weren't developing leadership skills. And so in that, I started to craft the curriculum of leadership development and what could I provide a student in school to develop some of the leadership skills that I, as a I really honed in on as a parent and as and a teacher? And I, and I will tell you that many of the skills that I learned were through trial and error and pretty significant mistakes. And I, and I thought, well, what if I had had some of these opportunities to practice when I was in school and not, didn't have my own children to practice on, mm-hmm. um, were my own students to practice on? What if I had my peers and my peers could give me feedback because they were working on those skills too. And how much better off would I be in life in general if I had had the ability to listen a lot better, um, communicate better, identify like what mattered to me, like my core values, things like that. Things that I, I think are all really critical skills for anybody to learn. And so that's, yeah, COVID really shined a light on the fact that students weren't engaged. Students weren't communicating their needs and wants in a way that I, as an educator, was listening. So that's sort of what shifted for me in COVID.
0: And what were some of the ideas they came up with and shared with you that were just like, oh man, this is, this is good stuff. Like, yes, we need to be doing this so that you brought right back to the classroom. Cause I'm curious.
1: Yeah. So I um, had a conversation with a student who taught me how to dance for a, a, a production we did at school, which yeah. was called uh, dancing with the staff. So she choreographed a dance for me and my partner who was not my husband um and what i realized was that she became the teacher and so i don't have to be the expert in the classroom and taking that hat off and allowing other students to engage and share their experiences and their ideas actually made the classroom a much richer mm. engagement. Um so that was one thing. Another student told me what his schedule was as a student athlete and there was no time at all in his day for him to just be who he wanted to be or just take a breath or even you know have dinner with his parents and I really thought about my homework policy and what homework meant to me and what it, what the intent of homework was. And, and that was a journey that, that went from like, I am going to assign homework every day because I'm teaching kids time management Mm -hmm. to like, if you didn't get done what we did in class, let, Like take it on for homework or, you know, maybe come in and see me at a different time. It it wasn't something that I needed every student to do. And that just having that conversation with him about what his day was like, and not that every student has that, but I don't want any student ever not have a chance to just be who they are. And, and I talked to other students about um, connecting, having that relationship with, with teachers and how important that relationship is. And it, you know, it just little things shifting In asking kids about their day, you know, tell me how are things going on a scale of one to five, give me a a five or a one on your hands and to tell me where you are. Um, and, and then the other thing was just being a safe place for kids. You know, I think, I think it was probably something I already thought I was doing, but hearing some students share with me, what it meant to be in a classroom that felt safe just made me it more, more important for me to make that a priority.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think t- uh, teenagers, especially appreciate when you ask for their input, um, when you care about their input, you're not just doing it just to be like, well, that's what I should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also then do something about it. And I have practiced that. I think that was a takeaway from the pandemic to be more transparent with my students and and share with them not only what they're like learning but like the learning process but also when to take breaks. So I just had this conversation with my psychology class the other day and so I had this conversation of it is okay to take a break. If you can't do a homework assignment and I'm saying even for my class And you need to come to me and tell me you need an extension or I just, I can't get to this. Just do it. Just please do it. Obviously, if you're doing this all the time, all year, we're going to have a conversation about it. But if you need to stay home from school and have like legit mental health day, like you're just like, I'm at this place that I'm at a breaking point. You need to just do it. And you need to tell your teachers, you just, you need to communicate. And that's part of like the skills that you teach. You need to just communicate when you're just needing to, like, I need a day. Like, I'm taking a break. Like, at the end of the day, your physical and mental health is number one priority. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to teach them to be, like, lazy and irresponsible. That's just no. communication's key and don't take advantage of it.
1: Well, and listening to what you need and your body. And I think yeah, about yeah. the story about you sh- sharing that you, like, were a straight-A student. And, like, that was your expectation for yourself, but, but it came from somewhere. Right. And, and I, I think of the, one of my favorite pot there, there are two of the ones that I have produced so far. One is wearing masks and a student Mm -hmm. talked to me after COVID and said, you know, Ms. Connell, like we've always been wearing masks. And I was like, tell me more about that. It's like, we come into the classroom wearing a mask. You don't know what is happened behind us. You don't know what happened at home. You don't know how we got here today. We come into this classroom and we're not ourselves because we have a mask on. And I was just like, wow, 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 wow. That was so profound. And that was from a student, a a 19 year old student. He had graduated, but still like, 19 years old. And he told me that. And I said, you know, I think I've been wearing a mask. I, I have a mask of perfection. I come into my classroom. I have my lessons planned. I have exactly what I want to happen. I have the expectations of what we're going to learn. I have the tests and, you know, and like you said about being transparent, like I don't, none of my students know the work that I do to get myself to that point. Why am I not sharing that with them more often, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just, that was, that was really profound. And my other favorite episode is um, how important relationships are. And this one student, she was a sophomore and she had, She had taken on more than she could um, because she had been encouraged by teachers the previous year and, um, and she had significant anxiety and it was her sophomore year that I had her and the experience of education where she had to perform And she couldn't do all of the things that I expected her to do in the night. And we were in 90 minutes that time it it caused her to break. And at the end of her school year, that year she attempted suicide and, Mm. and it was, it was because she had so much pressure on her. She ended up dropping out of school. She, I don't know if she got her GED at this point, but she's, I mean, When I interviewed her, she's very successful at what she's doing, but she didn't have the tools to manage her anxiety at 14, 15 years old.
0: That is unbelievable. And I mean, we could always just say it's social media, but we're coming into this like almost epidemic of, you know, teenage young adult suicide. And a lot of it, yes, social media could play a factor the whole pressure and comparison and bullying and whatnot. I just I think it's a whole system of pressure. America's known to be workaholics. Like yeah. we don't have a culture of taking off and truly taking off the way other countries do. Right. Um that needs to change. Like that needs to shift because All we're doing is treating, we're not preventing, we're, we're treating the illness. So like mental health awareness. Right. And I, and I teach, you know, psychological disorders and psychology, and we, we talk about this now. It's like, we're going to talk about diagnosing and treatment, but like, let's talk about prevention, you know, um, true. People could have a genetic, um, connection to a disorder or have a biological reason, but there's a lot of ways that we can prevent people from really struggling with depression, anxiety, and other disorders. But it's, it's a cultural system of just work, 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 work. And we're doing it in schools Yes, and we're setting them up for failure because then they think that should be their lifestyle. And then that is then what they're going to be doing like in the workplace. Like it's just it's really, really disheartening. Like no teenager should be at that point. No, 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 they're
1: still developing. And we, I mean, and that's the other thing when I listen to that student share his schedule mm-hmm. with me, it's like, where's the fun? Where does that kid, you know, he was a varsity athlete, but where does he get to experience fun in mm-hmm. his life? And, you know, when you're 18, A fun is still something that we should value and make sure is a critical part of a student's life because, you know, and I know once you become in the job, you know, it's, it's hard to find fun and we have to recreate it and it often is left to the wayside.
0: Yeah. Yeah and i think um play should be something that's prioritized even at the secondary level like the way yes. it is in elementary um the way we think about high school is literally like you are now like little worker bees you know i mean that's an industrial revolution system like coming out of like the 1900s yeah so we haven't changed that mindset we have not Like saying we're 21st century learners and technology and blah, 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 blah. You're adding stuff. You're not changing the foundation. That's the problem. And like part of me wanting to start this podcast too is not only to share teacher voices and their stories of like why they got into it or why they're leaving, but now they're doing something more for their community. Like we'll get into your work now. Um, But also like, how do we start to, change that foundation like what are those critical things we need to shake up in education because it is still the mindset of okay you're a ninth grader you're a worker bee now I mean it already starts in like middle school and then they're just stressed out and they have no they lose their passion and they're like 15 16 years old like you shouldn't be losing your passion I mean you, you hear about midlife crisis which like that's not a real thing for everyone when some people go through it. I'm like, you're going to have a teenage crisis, right? Yeah. <laughs> like already breaking down. So kind of my last part I always get into and we're kind of already moving into that and like the work that you're doing now are, you know, your ideas and like the critical areas of education that really need to change or be reformed. And you can talk about like the work you're doing with your students now.
1: Yeah, and I think so much of my shift in what I think education needs is coming from the conversations that I'm having with students and yeah, doing my own personal growth of like, just because it worked for me doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Um, and it's the thing that I, I worry so much about in education is the fear from teachers of changing um because this is all I ever knew. and so if, if you're asking me to do something new, I, I've been doing this for 20 years. I don't know that I have something new that I can do. and you know, the fear of change and and the celebration of failure um, or the lack of celebration of failure. You know, I think it's really interesting that we talk a lot about growth mindset now in education, but we're still grading students. Right? And what gets a kid a scholarship into college is their academic success, not the growth that they've that they've achieved, not the Uh, development and the communication strategies, not the relationships and the ability that they are able to um, work with others, that collaboration skill. Those aren't the things that we celebrate in school. And I think that for me, if one thing were to change, it would be that we celebrate the achievement. We celebrate the growth and we stop celebrating that A plus, or that 100, whatever, um, or the four point scale, depending on, you know, and, and for education right now, we're all in a flux of like, how do we go to mastery? How do we do competencies? And we're so focused on how do we implement this, that we've lost the, the conversation again with students, you know, what, what is working for you? What, what does school, and, and I think, asking students, what does that school look like for you that is the one where you are successful and really taking those ideas into consideration if we are going to change the foundation. And I think we are changing so much at, you know, at the fourth floor level And the the foundation is crumbling. And Mm -hmm. I'll just go back to chemistry, right? Like, so I will tell students, if you don't create a foundation that is solid, then when you're doing stuff up here in, you know, the third floor, you're just going to fall down. And there's so much in learning that requires a, a strong foundation. And if a kid is not interested in learning what I'm teaching because it's what I need to teach for chemistry, then it doesn't matter how I teach it, what I'm doing. It, they're not interested. And and I wonder why we've stuck so hard to these foundational core classes mm-hmm why, you know, like what, what is the purpose? Do we know what our goals are? Do we know why we want kids to go through education? Is it so that they can manage their time? Is it so that they can follow a schedule? Like, because that's what I think the students are able to do. They're able to get up at on an alarm, go to a school, sit in classes and leave and, you know, either play in the system and get a good grade or not and the work that i'm doing is trying to a listen to students and empowering them so what i really think is a valuable sc- skill for students is to figure out what some of the problems are and start thinking solution based not maybe not solving problems but working together as peers engaging with the adults, engaging with the administrators, finding out what everybody is feeling are the problems and then sort of thinking about what problems can we solve. And if we try and solve this problem, what problems might arise from that? So we're not necessarily solving the problem, but we've already started thinking solution-based and problem solving. And those kind of skills, I think are lifetime- skills that we don't, we don't engage with students.
0: Yeah. And I've often thought that we do too much in education and we keep doing more and it's not getting better. So like we should look at that and be like, well, doing more doesn't mean better. So why don't we scale down and think about stripping away all the subjects, you know, and I would love to make it more about skill-based like program mm-hmm. and then choice in areas right because I I truly believe by high school that students can have autonomy and choose what they want to really dive into I have I have a student right now in my history class who doubled up on history there's many students who Opted out of history because we allowed that to be an option for 11th grade. So my classes are super small for my junior classes, which I don't mind right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I have a student who's like, I just love history. So I'm taking AP U.S. history and I'm taking your 20th century world history. Mm -hmm. And he's loving it. He's loving it. And then there's kids that are like, I don't want to really do any more history. I'm good. I'm going to double up on arts or science. Cool. Let's do that. Let's do that starting from ninth grade. And yeah. then their schedule can be lighter. So it's like, I'm going to do more history. I'm going to do more science, whatever that is. And then you put into the schedule, a leadership class,
1: yes.
0: right? a um, life skills class. They want that, like, you know, stretch it out to really like learn about finance and budgeting, yeah. learn how to yes. re- write a resume, write a proper email. You know, what's the difference between a personal email and like, I'm trying to get a job email, you know, and all of these things that practical skills, like even like a a class or workshop on interpersonal relationships, you know, things that are going to make them really strong, successful adults in all areas of their life. And then they have choice in the actual content or areas that they want to dive into. And then their teacher is there as like a facilitator to guide them. So like, then you just become like, well, I'm the content expert in history or social sciences, but I'm also your advisor who can help you in other areas. And so then you give teachers more of a role of, I'm not just a subject expert and that's it. You know,
1: I love the word that you used facilitator, because that is who I think I am when I am doing my best work is when I'm facilitating because I, for a long time, I was a deliverer of information and my students weren't learning. I was delivering the information. They were writing it down. They were regurgitating it to me Mm -hmm. and it looked lovely. You know, they were in line. They were doing what I told them to do. It was what I thought education was supposed to look like, silence and obedience and compliance. And I started to shift into a facilitator and it looked messy, (laughs) but there was so much joy. There was so much learning. There was so much sharing. I just you know, I couldn't go back to compliance. And I think I met a lot of resistance because Mm -hmm. when observation time came around, it, it was chaos and I loved it. And I, you know, it was managed chaos. I knew exactly what each kid was doing when they were doing it, how they were doing it. But an administrator walking in was like, what is happening? And, and i think for me that that resistance and that i didn't want to go back i mm-hmm. i didn't and i think as you were talking about what we could do for students i think we need to do a lot of that for teachers too i think we need autonomy again i think we need to allow teachers to explore and if they make a mistake if they if they have chaos and it's unstructured chaos, then help them. Don't say this is not how school should look and reprimand them because I think that fear of innovation as an educator is a killer. I Mm. think um, I was talking to somebody recently about putting in a wellness day, right? And saying to students and teachers alike, make your choices on what you want to do today. And if mm-hmm. that choice is taking a day off and not doing anything, then we're going to let that happen. Because if we create a program that is good enough, then you're going to feel a little bit of guilt for not going. I didn't put that guilt on you. Mm-hmm. That was your own response. And maybe you'll you'll do it next time. But if I tell you that you made a bad choice, then you're going to have resentment and that does not build a community. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I think ultimately you have to have people feel like they have agency, that they have choice, that someone is believing in them to make that choice. And if they decide as an individual to make a choice of like, I don't want to do anything, or maybe they just need to do that for their body and their brain. That's fine. You know? And that let them learn on their own instead of being again told that was not a good good choice. That was not a good idea. Um, we're not in really a society anymore that's so top down and structured in the way of like that was wrong. You shouldn't do that. Like we're moving into a place where it is about you know community and collaboration and creation. I mean, we're in a country that's all about innovation, so yeah, it's just sometimes you look at the education system, you're like, it doesn't match. Like it doesn't match like A, what our like country stands for, but also like this generation and century that we're in. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Like,
0: It doesn't match at all. Mm -hmm. So we really do need to shake it up. So I love these ideas. Thank you so much, Lorraine, for being on the show. And you're doing such great work. I think you are bold for... (laughs) The work that you're doing with students, um, I'm so sure they love you and appreciate you so much for having their ideas out there on your podcast and, um, you know, really seeing them as, I don't know, their own agents in their life that they can produce change and they can make a difference instead of just being kind of told what to do and you're doing it. And it's hard. I know it's really hard to like leave something you were in for 20 years that was consistent and structured, and this is what you did. And just to say, I'm going to create something new. That's really like courageous. So, thank you for being that uh, type of educator. Um, where can our listeners find you? Any information? And I'll put it in the show notes as well.
1: Sure. Um, I am at peers, not fears. And I put dash- dashes in between because if you run it all together, it's peer not. <laughs> And, uh, and so the dashes are there to prevent the, the, the word mix up. Um, but yeah, all my social media platforms, LinkedIn is, well, that's Lorraine Connell. That's still my personal, but, um, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Occasionally I'm at peers, not fears. Um, but yeah, I am, I, I love in engaging with people who are, you know, interested in listening to students and empowering students and empowering teachers, because I think we're a lost, we're a lost group that, that needs that voice. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really excited that you're doing this work as well, because there's so much value to teacher Mm -hmm. voice. And I, and I love what you're doing.
0: Well, thank you so much. This, um, season two is my theme. I don't know if it's going to be with every guest, but I have, other guests on that are like former students who are now teachers and other um guests I had on that are bringing their students on so it's like the ripple effect I call it and so I feel this conversation is very much that fitting that theme.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if anybody is interested in sharing their um their experiences, please uh reach out. Oh, I will. Thank you so much and have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you, Jackie. Bye.
0: thank you for listening to the teacher story if you like this story please subscribe and leave a review you can also follow this podcast on youtube and subscribe and leave a comment all reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices